Welcome back to this second half of uh, Real Presence Live this morning with Jack and Dreen Keneally as your hosts. And uh, we've uh, had some interesting discussions, but uh, I guess we're going to take a little interlude here and let Doreen unleash some of her humor on us. <laughs> yes. All right. So um, the general theme today is about literature Reading, and, and books. Writing and literature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... What would you find in Charles Dickens' pantry? Plum pudding. That's a that's a really good answer, but the funny answer is you'd find the best of time and the worst of time. Oh, T H Y M E. You got it. I get it. It's pantry. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tale of two cities. It, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Time. Okay. Now, we're going to go on to Shakespeare. Why did Shakespeare only write in pen? Um, why did he only write in pen? Um, I don't know. Why did Shakespeare only write in pen? Because he couldn't decide which type of pencil to use, a 2B or not 2B. Oh, Brother, <laughs> oh, the lead thing. I know, but I, 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 I've heard of a number two pencil. I've never heard of a two B pencil. Mm-hmm. Is there such a thing? There must be. There's a there, joke about there, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. Is there a two A pencil? You don't. I, I thought two B meant a harder lead. Yeah. Or graphite or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know if it's the larger the number, the softer the lead, or. Okay, here's another one for you. You're a car guy. Okay, right? here we go. What's a car's favorite genre of literature? Um, cartoons? That's no. not literature, though. Autobiography. Autobiography. <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> okay. Well, you're a laugh riot. You got one more? Um, I Let's see. Uh, I'm thinking. Why do words, phrases, and punctuation keep ending in court? Keep ending in court? Why do words, phrases, and punctuation keep ending up in court? Um, I don't know. To be sentenced. Oh, words, phrases, oh, brother. and punctuation. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Well, okay. Well, let's do something else. I want to. Okay. I want to. I want to take a few minutes here to remind our listeners that we have banquets coming up this year, and they're a little ways out though. But I think it's always good to plan ahead, mm-hmm. and we've got them all over our listening area. And in Rochester on November seventh of this year, we've got Dr. Ralph Martin. And uh, in November, in Dickinson, we've got Michael Gormley. And I know that uh, I've been, uh, my understanding is, is that the people of Dickinson are really looking forward to him. I'm not familiar with him, but uh, I'm sure that uh, he will be good. And Cy Kellett is coming to Bismarck on December 5th. And uh, Cy is uh, one of the, I think, Catholic Radio All-Stars on uh, uh, Catholic Answers Live. Live. Yes. And then... Bear Wozniak will be in Sioux Falls in uh, November 9th. He'll be in Fargo on February 26th. 
And let's see, Deacon, Deacon Harold Burke Sievers will be in Rapid City on November 28th. He's a very popular speaker. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I know. And uh, he'll be in Duluth on March 5th. And Joe Heschmeyer, another one on uh, Catholic Answers, uh, will be in Aberdeen on February 20th, uh, 2024. So it's it's a ways out, but it's uh, it's uh, it's okay to, to 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 plan ahead. And so, uh, all you listeners, uh, put those on your calendar. I'm sure they're they're probably on our website as well, in case you uh, have don't have a pen in hand and haven't been writing down all of these notes here. So. Um, but the the banquets are always fun and they're they're always entertaining and in uh, uh, educational. So I certainly encourage all of our listeners to consider if you have not ten, attending one, if you've never attended one, uh, do it. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And if you have attended before, go again and bring some friends along. Mm -hmm. It's fun to go to those banquets and take a look at who else in the community has the same interest as as you do, or the same, you know, desires. Right. Because you don't always know, you know, so-and-so who owns a business downtown is at the Real Presence Live banquet. Right, yeah. It kind you, of opens the door. Yeah, in a way, I, I think Catholics in particular and Christians in general, uh, when you think in terms of the direction our culture seems to be going, uh, they sometimes feel a little isolated or alone, mm -hmm. other than when they go to church on, you know, mm -hmm. on Sunday. And it's always good to know that you're part of a community and that there are others who are supporting, you know, this apostolate. And uh, it's an important one because when you think in terms of what the culture is doing, especially the extent to which it's being driven by the media and how uh, churches, uh, you know, uh, Christian churches in particular are being marginalized, that... Uh, it's important that we have a voice out there in the media that can shed some light, you know, uh, on what the truth is about what the church actually teaches. Now, some people have probably noticed some of the uh, road signs we have, billboards, or even the bumper stickers that say, Catholics believe what? You know, That's a great billboard. It's, it's a good one because so many people have such... Uh, wrong uh, impressions uh, of what Catholicism is or mm -hmm. what we teach. You know, it was like, our, you know, our, our, our talking with, uh, with Camille, you know, the idea of uh, healing the culture, actually explaining to people that uh, uh, Catholicism makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. from a rational standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not something that's driven, uh, you know, by emotion and, uh, you know, all the things that we kind of use in our media to try to affect people's uh, perceptions or understandings of things. Uh, yeah, when you get yeah, in a question like Catholics believe what kind of um, creates a curiosity in people, too, that might, you know, kind of might encourage them to look further, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just kind of, uh, you know, Prick their interest a little yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah. What do Catholics believe? Yeah, and 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 that Catholic radio, I think, um, fills that. You know, because a lot of times, I mean, how many times have we heard stories of people who are, you know, where they're, I'm driving my car and I'm just kind of cruising through the uh, 
through the stations, and I landed onto a Catholic radio station, and I just kind of started listening, and it started intriguing mm-hmm. me. And, uh, you know, the next thing you know, they're in the RCIA somewhere. Exactly. You know, we, we hear that a lot, and I think that's why it's important for uh, people to support, mm-hmm. you know, Real Presence Radio, and, you know, especially if you like programs like Real Presence Live, because it's, it's one of our locally uh, produced shows. We don't have a lot of them. And uh, it's, it's the listener support that keeps us on the air. Right. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, so the, you listeners are important to us. This is not a live drive day, but uh, <laughs> I still want to get that message out there since I've got a little bit of time to do that. And I, I think it's important that you understand the necessity of listener support mm-hmm. because where else are we going to get the funds to pay for our towers, pay for our signals, and pay for the staff here in the in the office, and uh, uh, you know just to keep keep the uh, keep our voice out there in the airwaves. We need listeners, and they need us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Yes. And uh, we uh, we certainly are thankful for our listeners as well. Yes. You got a joke? I do. Okay, let's go. What did the math book, M-A-T-H, what did the math book say to the literature book? You count on me. Oh, that's a really good answer. But <laughs> Not the my, right one. My answer is, I envy you. You're so full of stories, and all I've got is problems. <laughs> oh, brother. That's a long answer for a... It is. For it a, is a, it's a long answer. But actually, math books have story problems. Well, yes, <laughs> you know? they do. Yes. Not my favorite. Yeah, math is not my friend. And um, it's, it's interesting how the math that I learned uh, when our grandson was with us, you know, when, during COVID, and he was doing school by... Uh, high school. Uh, high school by... Uh, I could not help him with his math because it was so foreign to him. It was the new math. Mm. And uh, I learned it the, the rote way, which to me is the right way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Of course. Come on. Pull another one up here. Let's okay. go. What kind of word should you invite to a tea party? A word to a tea party? Mm-hmm. What kind uh, of word should you invite to a tea party? Um, I'm looking for something with T-E-A in it, but it's not coming to mind. Um, what kind of word do you invite to a tea party? Help me out. A proper noun. Oh, a proper <laughs> noun. I get it. All right. <laughs> If only we had a drum roll. I know. I mean, I know. that would really make these a lot more effective. Yeah. <laughs> well, not that they're not effective in their That's own right. way, yes. but I mean, you know, yes. just dress them up a little bit right. more. How about when yes. we say it that way? So how many times have we been on when our guest has <laughs> uh, not... <laughs> Oh, about half a dozen at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'm the queen of <laughs> whatever that would be. Well, the Not queen of parking, parking for yeah. one thing. And uh, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, but we got a break coming up anyway. We so, miss, we missed guests. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we got a little bit of a, uh, we got a break here coming up. And you're, you're listening to Real Presence Live with Jack and Doreen yeah. Canelli. Say a prayer. We can connect with our guests. <laughs> yes. Say a prayer. And uh, we'll see you on the other side of the break. Okay, welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Jack Kennelly, and my wife Doreen is also hosting. And we are, we have made connections with Gil Bailey, and we're going to talk about 
his book, The Apocalypse of the Southern Self. Sovereign. Sovereign Self. What did I say? Southern? Southern. Oh, okay. No, that's that's an entirely different uh, different uh, region. And anyway, uh, Doreen has put aside her, her joke book for a while, and we're going to just uh, get right into it. Gil, we'd like you to just kind of introduce yourself before we kick off the talk about the book. Well, to be very brief, uh, I, I, uh, I have a law degree. I never practiced law. I uh, started a little uh, educational institute here in Sonoma, a small town in Northern California, uh, many, many years ago. And I, I simply led people through discussions of Homer and Virgil and Old and New Testament, Shakespeare, Dante, and so on and so forth basically the Western canon. In the process, I got to know Rene Girard, a distinguished professor at Stanford University, whose anthropological works bring the Christian revelation into sharp focus. And I wrote a book about, I wrote a book about his work in the mid-90s, and uh, thereafter went on a speaking tour, which lasted several years. And... Um, a friend of mine and I started the Cornerstone Forum Institute, which was dedicated to bringing Gerard's work into into sync with the theologians that both he and I most admired, and namely John Paul II, Benedict XVI, uh, and so on and so forth. And for several years, I traveled the country lecturing, as I said, after some personal tragedies and some unexpected blessings. I settled down and wrote uh, two more books, God's Gamble, uh, published in 19, uh, 2016, and this one that was published just a couple month, a month ago or so. Uh, so that's who I am. Okay, and this book is The Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self. It's, it's, I mentioned earlier that's certainly an intriguing uh, title, and uh, can you tell us the meaning behind it? Well, as your listeners may know, the word apocalypse is, uh, can be translated as the word revelation. In other words, it's something that exposes the lies and the truth that the lies exist to suppress at the same time. And uh, I chose it because I think we are in a situation now where uh, the Christian revelation uh, is both being uh, abandoned and suppressed and is becoming ever more essential uh, to the survival of, of, of decency and dignity in our world. So uh, I, uh, I, I fall back on Hunter's von Balthasar, the uh, theologian of the 20th century, uh, who said that human history after the Christian revelation consists of the mutual intensification of the yes and the no to Christ. And I, I invite your listeners to think about that. History consists of the mutual intensification of the yes and the no to Christ. Now, history will, without any nudging from us, uh, it will mutually intensify, intensify the no to Christ. It's up to us to to allow Christ to work through us and intensify intensify 
say yes to Christ. And um, this is the world we now live in. Uh, the Christian revelation is, is under attack. People are losing their faith uh, and, and so on. But we have to, those of us who have the privilege of, of, of Christian faith, especially Catholic Christian faith, have a, have a serious obligation uh, to uh, be a counterweight uh, to the historical rejection of Christianity, which is now happening very intensely, uh, both uh, outside the church and within. So this is a very, it's a, it's a, a, a very critical moment in history. And what I tried to do is to, is to write a, <laughs> if you'll pardon me to say, saying so, a fairly entertaining book about these uh, otherwise uh, heavy and momentous questions. I tried to write a book that would be interesting and fun to read, but would uh, help the reader understand the depth and scope of the crisis yeah. in the midst of which we are living. Yeah, I don't think there's much question about the crisis that we're living in, but uh, I know, my understanding in your book, you you describe the soul as inherently in Christian, and could could you dive into that a little bit, because it almost seems to suggest there's hope out there. Well, of course there's hope. I mean, the, the, you know, St. Peter said you have to be prepared to tell the world where your hope came from. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's basically... Uh, that's basically what we, what, what all of us have, are responsible to do. Uh, but the uh, I'm not. You have to ask that question again. I got okay. Well, off track. well, in the in the book, you describe the soul as inherently Christian. Oh, that was oh just... yes. Oh, oh, that goes back to Tertullian, uh, the, the late second, early third century. Carthaginian father, uh, who said the soul is naturally Christian, and and I pick up that that theme, and and I I and I try to develop it by showing that we are that the soul searches for Christ, and it looks in all the wrong places sometimes. But it is the hunger, and what, what distinguishes our species that no other species in, in the universe has is religious longing. Mm -hmm. And any attempt to account for the human condition that doesn't acknowledge the fact that that is what distinguishes us, religious longing, will fail to reckon with the issues at hand. So the question is, what do we do with this longing? Do we find the proper uh, the, the proper object of it, or do we uh, transfer it to all kinds of uh, fa fascinating things in the world? We become, we develop ideologies, give ourselves to these passions, all the while uh, hungering 
for that which religious uh, religious hunger longs, which ultimately is God and Christ. So it, it's, <laughs> it sounds a little more complicated than this, but we 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 hunger basically for Christ. Every human being hungers for Christ. Earlier this morning, Gil, we um, interviewed a local author who who used the phrase "every human soul has a um, has a a hole, a God shaped hole that desires to be filled." Exactly. Yeah. Could you exactly. does does your book explore the reasons we are rejecting Christ in a, this day and age, or the um, or I mean, it's a it's a it's a basic and intrinsic need in us, and yet we're rejecting it like never before in human history. Well, uh, it has always been the case. The thought of I'm also saying the mutual intensification of the yes and no of Christ. Mm-hmm. The drama of, of history builds, and this mutual intensification is is uh, is the key to understanding history. The, the reason we don't understand it that, that way is because we only live a, a few decades. Mm-hmm. Ch- Chesterton said, "If everybody lived to be a thousand, basically he said, if everybody lived to be a thousand, they would all die Catholic." <laughs> because a, a thousand years of experience would bring everyone to the real, realization that all the little choices they made along the way were in some small way a yes or a no to Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that the, the real drama of, of human history is precisely the mutual intensification of the yes and the no to Christ. So, would he say that the yes and no to Christ is kind of on a pendulum and it kind of swings back and forth and we're kind of on a swing towards the no side right now? Well, and there, there is that in the same sense that every year has its season. Mm-hmm. But, but the, 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 the long-term trajectory is that those two things intensify. They don't just balance each other out by swinging back and forth. Uh. They intensify. And that's what makes history itself apocalyptic. Uh, uh, Our job as faithful Christians is to intensify in our own lives and in our ministries uh, the yes to Christ, because you can count on the world slowly but surely intensifying its rejection of Christ. It doesn't, you know, the familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, Christianity will always be the default objection by a secular world, and the objections will become more and more intense. So it's a it's a d- dramatic situation, and uh, there will be swings back and forth. But uh, what we now see is a very very conspicuous manifestation of this mutual intensification. So, Gil, we only have about 25 seconds to go, and uh, 
uh, hate to cut us off at this point in time, but can you... We need you back on. <laughs> yeah. And can you tell us where can people get your book? Is it available? Uh, well, you can get it anywhere, books or so, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. But the, best, the way to look for it, it's Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self, uh, or you could put my name in, B-A-I-L-I-E, uh, and you could find it. And uh, I, I, I think your readers will find it interesting. I wish I could, I wish I could promise a refund uh, of the <laughs> purchase price. Uh, I'd be happy to do that. I think they'll find it stimulating and helpful in terms of building faith. Okay. I hope so. Okay, well, thanks, Gil, for being with us. I'm afraid we're going to have to cut it short here a little bit because we, we're at a break time, and I'm getting uh, nasty looks from our uh, okay. from our, our, our director in there. So uh, uh, maybe we can have you on again. That'll be fine. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, and God bless you, Gil. Okay, stay with Bye. us, listeners. We're, you're listening to Real Presence Live. There's more to come after the break. <laughs> 